This episode is titled The Instructional Leadership Team. Why the instructional leadership team? Why not just the instructional leadership team? The fun reason is because I'm an Ohio State grad and the Ohio State University sounds way cooler than Ohio State. But the real reason is because the instructional leadership team is the fundamental building block of school improvement. Most schools have instructional leadership teams, but fewer schools have the instructional leadership team. What's the difference? The answer's coming. Hello, colleagues, and welcome to the Assistant Principal Podcast. I'm your host, Frederick Buskey. The goal of this podcast is to help improve the life and leadership of assistant principals. This is a content-focused episode. Now, the content will stand on its own, but We'll take a deeper dive into this topic in next week's issue of Quadrant 2. Members of our Apex community can expect to get support on implementing the ideas that we're looking at today and adapting them to their own unique contexts. You can learn more about Apex and Quadrant 2 at frederickbuskey.com backslash the assistant principal. I always love to begin with celebrations. So today I'm celebrating being back with you, my colleagues. The summer can be pretty isolating for a consultant like me, but now that people are back in the office, that means I'm back in schools and I'm having conversations and working with real school leaders, and I am so happy. The big idea today is the flywheel. In his book, Good to Great, Jim Collins talks about the flywheel being a series of strategies that when you execute them over and over again, They drive your organization into great heights of success. In schools, that flywheel looks like this. We do professional development with teachers. We follow up on that professional development with targeted observations. We take the data from those observations and evaluate them in order to give us feedback on what our next professional development steps should be. When we do that over and over and over again, we create a flywheel that is focused on driving teacher development and continual teacher improvement. You can think of the the instructional leadership team as really being the hub of that flywheel, the thing that, that these other pieces revolve around. So the instructional leadership team is the foundation of the flywheel, and the flywheel is the way you improve your schools. Now, of course, it's gonna look different in different contexts. And actually, there's a great example of that back in episode 32 of the podcast when I talked with Dr. Melissa Burns, and she talked about what their flywheel looks like in her school. I'm gonna present to you kind of an idealized and simplified version. So there's work to do to get it to to get up and function in your school. But I hope that the ideas today that you hear will inspire you to take those next steps. So why is this even important? I think about school leaders as having two primary functions. Number one, and it has to be number one, is keep everyone safe. Number two is improve opportunities for kids. The thing is that you don't teach kids. Teachers teach kids. So 
to improve and make better opportunities for students, really, you have to help grow better teachers. So restating that, school leaders have two jobs. Keep everybody safe. Help teachers get better. That's the essential part. Teacher development is the primary path to school improvement. And the foundation of teacher development is the instructional leadership team. Before we go much further, I want to talk to people that are on an island. I know that there are assistant principals out there that don't have the benefit of being in a building, working with people that are really dedicated and and focused on, on instructional leadership. And that can happen for lots of reasons. But if you feel like you're on an island, if you're, an own, if you're on your own, don't let isolation stop you from growing. If you're going to move at some point to a different building or a different position, you're going to be asked about instructional leadership. And it would be much better to talk about what you have done rather than what you would do. If you don't have an intact team, find a team of two, either inside your building or out. Get together with one of the instructional coaches. Find a peer in another school or even another district. If you can't find anybody, email me and I'll connect you with an assistant principal that's passionate about instructional leadership. Worst case scenario, hold your own ILT meetings on Friday afternoons. It sounds funny, but doing that will actually improve your instructional leadership. Okay. Let's dig in a little bit more and I'm going to give you an MVP, a minimally viable product version of the instructional leadership team. There are four things that define the instructional leadership team. First, sacred meeting time. Second, an agenda focused on teacher development. Third, role clarity of team members. And fourth, mutual accountability. Each of these four things comes with some pretty specific challenges. Let's be honest, if it was an easy thing to do, then everybody would be doing it. Let's start with creating sacred space. Be strategic about setting a regular time that your team meets. Think about things like holidays. You probably don't want to set up your team meetings on Mondays. Look at your discipline data and see when you're more likely to have discipline issues and when the quiet times are. You don't want to have an instructional leadership team meeting when during the part of the day where you're having the most discipline issues because people are going to constantly be interrupted. And also look at your district meeting schedule. Uh, it seems like every school I know has their monthly assistant principal meetings on Wednesdays. So if your school's like that um, or if your district is like that, You don't want to schedule for Wednesdays when your AP is going to be gone half the time. Every school is unique and every context is unique. But as I just think about it, I don't want to schedule my ILT for Mondays. Tuesdays might be a good day, um, except if I have a bunch of Monday holidays, then Tuesday morning is going to be a little bit busier than, than usual. Wednesdays, as I said, seems to be a really common day for district meetings, so I probably don't want to schedule on a Wednesday. Thursdays, I think, generally can be a pretty good day. Um, Fridays 
can be good, although usually you tend to have more teacher absences, a little bit higher discipline rates, and people may be tired. So if it was me, I'm probably looking at a Tuesday or Thursday, let everybody get settled in, get the schedule going. So 8.30, 9 o'clock in the morning, get together and, and pull your instructional leadership team together each week. One of the biggest threats to your instructional leadership team is emergencies. And I should put that in air quotes because what some people consider emergencies aren't what I would necessarily consider emergencies. But I want you to think about if you, if you, if, if both administrators are out of the building, what happens? Like who fields things? And we know there are times when both administrators or three administrators, depending on the size of your school, when all the administrators are out. So you have to have a backup plan in place. And so what I would suggest for your ILT is that you take that backup plan for when there are no administrators in the building and you turn that plan on. Even though administrators are in the building, you're in the ILT and that needs to be sacred space. Good candidates to be your first responders in terms of in case of an emergency is your front office people. If you have an admin intern or experienced team leader on the teaching staff or maybe guidance. And in some schools, you may have other people that can do that. And I think it's really important to consider who your first responders are, not just for your team meetings, but for other times as well when people might be tied up. The second important thing is creating the agenda. And the agenda of the instructional leadership team should be focused on the trinity of the flywheel. What did we see when we went and observed our teachers? What does it mean? And then what do we do next for professional development? That agenda should also be shared so that people can add comments, drop data in there or drop discussion points. But it's really important that your instructional leadership team is a team and that one person isn't controlling that agenda. Your agenda should also include a place to plan for the next round of observations uh, and be able to record a coverage schedule. So when you, when you wrap up your instructional leadership team meeting, everybody should know who they're observing and preferably what days or times roughly they think they'll be out observing. That way, if I know I'm going to be out observing the fourth grade teachers to see about implementation on our questioning strategies, I know I'm going to do that Wednesday from 1 to 2.30, then we know that we've got to have somebody else being the first responder. It can't be me. Because the thing that will undermine this is if I'm constantly getting interrupted and pulled out of my times to go observe teachers. So one of the important things that the agenda does is it creates a schedule for doing observations and then a schedule for coverage so that the people doing the observations are never your first responder. If you have informational items, FYIs, drop those at the bottom of the agenda. It's a good place to record them, but you don't need to talk about them. You don't need to cover them. They're things that people can read. Role clarity may be one of the most challenging things. Like, let's be honest, not everyone has a team of highly skilled, trusted members. 
If you've got someone in your instructional leadership team that betrays confidences and goes and tells teachers something that happened in a, in a confidential meeting or has favorites and maybe pits groups of teachers against each other, then you're going to have a really tough time having a solid instructional leadership team. And I wish I had great answers for what to do in that case. I don't. I think there's three basic approaches. One is to develop and grow your people. Sometimes we write people off prematurely. So if you have somebody that's not showing the capability of being a solid instructional team member, I think the first thing to do is to talk to them and try to grow them and define the role, talk about the roles and talk about what's necessary and then be honest with, um, with feedback and try to grow people. If you can't grow them, I guess you try to get another team. And if you're stuck with certain team members, then maybe you reconfigure your ILT so that they are not part of that. I think that's a terrible option, but it's a better option than not having any ILT at all. Instructional coaches, I think instructional coaches should be in classrooms. I know there are other schools of thought on that. That's fine. I'm not telling you it's written in stone, but that would be my preference, that instructional coaches are frequently in classrooms, that they serve as the professional development expert and the main resource for teachers, and that we draw a crystal clear line between evaluation and support. So administrators may do evaluation observations and evaluation conferences, an instructional coach should never be involved in that. And it should be really clear to teachers that while instructional coaches are core members of the instructional leadership team and do lots of observations and provide feedback and all of that, they have absolutely no role in the evaluation process. There's a firewall there. Finally, there's the accountability piece. The agenda should allow us to record who's responsible for what observations and when they're doing them. It should allow us to record who the first responder is so that when I'm doing my observations, I'm not getting pulled out. And those observations should be targeted and they should be short. Because if we're following up on professional development, we really should be following up on finite skills. By recording all these things and having them in the agenda, that gives us some accountability when we come back to meet the following week. So let's do a pulse check here. Where are you and where's your team? There's some critical things to reflect on and ideally talk with your, talk with your team about them. So here are a few questions. Do you even have a team? Do you have a regularly scheduled ILT time? Is your ILT focused on teacher growth? What are the barriers to building this foundational piece of the flywheel? Or maybe you have a flywheel, the ILT. Is there anything you can take away from today's episode to tweak or improve what you do? Or maybe you have suggestions for me and I'd love to hear them. Honestly, everything about the flywheel I stole from other people. I just pulled the pieces together and put them into a framework to make it easier for us to talk about and more importantly to implement. So yeah, if you can help me make it better, please do. Where you are now dictates your next steps, but making sure that you have an actual set time 
for that meeting is absolutely critical. After that, hammering out an agenda and doing your role clarification makes sense. We're still early in the school year and it doesn't all need to be done right now, but take the first steps. Begin building your flywheel. In the next issue of Quadrant 2, we'll actually dig more deeply into the meeting agenda. So if that would be helpful to you, make sure you subscribe at frederickbuskey.com backslash quadrant 2. For Apex members, we have a webinar scheduled for August 23rd, and we'll look at sticking points and ways to adapt to your specific school in your specific context. So let's wrap this up. Here's the big takeaway. Instructional leadership isn't an add-on. It isn't a luxury. It isn't optional. If you can't find a way to have a functioning ILT that's laser-focused on teacher growth, then you're hamstringing your efforts to improve your school. That wraps up today's content-focused episode. We'll be back next week with another content-focused episode on supporting early career teachers. The week after that, we'll get back to our guest lineup with an awesome, awesome episode with Craig Martin, the executive director of the Bridge Boston Charter School in Roxbury, Massachusetts, in an episode titled, Who Are You? Honestly, I'm so excited for this episode to air that I'm going to play a brief clip at the end of the outro. You know, kind of like a Marvel movie. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and rate the podcast. As I record this show, we have over 5,000 downloads, but we have one review in Apple Podcasts. That doesn't help people find the show. So if you're enjoying it, please rate it or even better, write a review. And if you don't like the show or have suggestions for how we can make it better, email me at frederick at frederickbuskey.com. If you'd like more content tailored towards the needs of assistant principals, you can head over to my website at frederickbuskey.com backslash the assistant principal. That wraps up today's show. I'm Frederick Buskey. I hope you'll join me next time for the assistant principal podcast. And before you go, here's that clip from Craig. Cheers. And if listeners could take just one thing away from today's podcast, what would that one thing be? Um, be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself in your journey. So under like, it is important for you to consistently ask yourself questions, interrogate, get real clear about who you are, where you are, what's important to you and how does that show up? But be okay in transition, be okay with not being okay, but consistently love on yourself. And that's the thing I have to keep doing. I have to keep reminding myself, I am loved. I am thriving, you know, I am safe, but I need to keep filling myself with those kinds of messages and affirmations because those things are important. And as leaders, sometimes we hold, um, we hold ourselves hostage because something went wrong or a crisis was mismanaged or people did, don't like you right now because of whatever the case may be, whatever the decision is. And you have to remember, well, what was my intention? when I made that decision? What was my intention when I said what I said? What was my intention when I woke up this morning on how I wanted to step up and show into the world? And if that intention is still crystal clear, then what is my learning about myself as I'm interacting and interfacing with the world? What could I be doing differently? Or 
what can I do to continue to love on myself through the moments where I have not figured it out yet? Thank you. That's a message we all need right now. Yeah. This is hard out there. It is. It is.